Welcome to the Global Mission Sync Podcast. This week's episode features Trevor Sunbow with a message called Temptation. I think oftentimes we forget or don't fully realize what we have available to us in Christ. A few basketball fans out here, I just have a little illustration. On May 25th, 1998, the Chicago Bulls and the Indiana Pacers were playing Game 4 in the NBA Championship Semifinals. Reggie Miller dropped a three-pointer with less than a second remaining in the game, and Indiana won 96-94. to The series was now tied two games to two. The winner of this series would go on to play Utah in the NBA championship final. The Chicago Bulls had won the NBA championship in 1991, 1992, 1993, Then they took a couple years off. They won in 1996, 1997. And what we're talking about here is from the 1998 playoffs. During the 1998 playoff run, there was a lot of discussion from the media and others, such as, the Bulls are too banged up and injured to win again. Michael Jordan is too old and doesn't have enough left in the tank to lead his team to another championship. The Bulls aren't hungry enough to win another championship. And after Game 4, these comments intensified when they lost the game in the last second. In the press conference, in the press conference following the game, Michael Jordan was asked a variety of questions about the loss, how the Bulls rebound, could the Bulls rebound? Were the players healthy? Etc. Etc. Michael Jordan responded as follows. This is a direct quote. You still got to come through Chicago. Utah, Indiana, they still got to come through Chicago. I don't care what happened today. I don't care what happened in the other series. You still got to come through Chicago. Now, this comment from Michael Jordan would have accomplished a number of things. Potentially calming everybody down, gaining some perspective after a tough loss. They're still the NBA champions. To the Chicago fans, he was saying, they have to win on our home court in front of our fans, which is not that easy to do. To the coaches, trainers, massage therapists, chiropractors, all the support staff, it would have had more depth, his comment. They have seen the hours in the weight room. They have seen the hours training, practicing, recovering from injuries. They likely believe that they were the best support team, support staff in the NBA. And it is not that easy to come into Chicago and beat us in a big game. And then to the players. Jordan's comments would have even had more significance. They had won five times before. They knew what it takes to win. 
They had been in this situation many times before. They knew the emotional roller coaster it takes to win an NBA championship. They knew the discipline, the dedication, the perseverance. And no one comes into Chicago and knocks us out when we are playing our best. I believe there's a spiritual parallel here for us to consider. Jordan said, you still got to come through Chicago. Said another way, you do not advance in the playoffs or win an NBA championship without beating us. And more specifically, without beating us at home. My question to you this evening is this. Can we not say something similar when we are faced with temptation? Can we not say, you don't get at me, when I say you, I mean Satan or the enemy. You do not get at me without coming through Christ first. You have to get through Christ before you get at me. Romans 13, 11 to 14 says this, And do this, knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. And verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. If you'll permit me this this evening, this is how I think of it. If I put on Christ, the enemy has to get through Christ before it can get at me. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, we're instructed to put on the armor of God, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, the word of God. I believe that these are attributes of Christ. At least for the next few minutes, I would like us to think in these terms with a degree of boldness. You want to come after me. You want to attack me. You want to discourage me. You want to tempt me. Fine. But you have to get through Christ first. You do not get to come at me directly because Christ is Lord of my life. James 1, 12 to 15 has kind of a scriptures here that are good for us to be reminded of in the area of temptation. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted... I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, 
nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, that's us, is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is a verse that probably we should all have memorized. Maybe you do have it memorized. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man or woman. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God makes some promises to us here. He will allow no temptation to come against us. It says here that that as such as is common to man. So no supernatural thing we can come against us. God says no. No. It can only be something that is common to man. Next thing he says, you will have no temptation that you will come across but that which you are able. He will not tempt us beyond what we are able to bear. Right here. And thirdly, if that is not enough, I will make a way of escape for you. I will make a way of escape. If you're looking for it, if you want to resist the temptation, whatever it is, if you call upon me, I will give you the way of escape. I was, um, boy, I don't know how old I was, 11 or 12. And I remember playing with my friends, and it was a Friday night. And, you know, it was, it was that, t- maybe I was a little, maybe 12 or 13, I don't know. It was just at that time that some of my peer group started experimenting with, with alcohol. And I was with a group, I can't remember what we were doing. And, and they were all, and they had brought alcohol. To the, and I didn't know that. To this, like we were just hanging out, right? You know how you hang out? Do you, young people still do that, hang out? We're hanging out. And I remember there, being there, and it took me, I wasn't ready, I wasn't prepared for it. Was not prepared for it. Didn't see it coming. Took me off guard. This is what, this is what I remember. I said, Where's my way of escape? Where's my way of escape? Said that, I didn't say it out loud, right? I said it to the Lord. I said, where's my way of escape? And one of my friends was a BC Lion fan. Uh, Hey, I do not know why. Like, he's a BC Lion fan. (laughs) Makes no sense. He said, you know what? The BC Lions are playing tonight. I want to watch the game. I said, I'm going to go with you. God is faithful. He is faithful. When he, when he gives us a scripture with a promise, he is faithful. 
Our temptations are unique to each of us. Mine are likely different than yours. If we give in to the temptation, the result is, whatever the temptation is, the result is the same. It draws us away from the Lord. I'm going to, at least for today, tonight, I'm going to define temptation this way. Temptations are those things or activities, if we give in to them, draw us away from the Lord. That's my definition here tonight. If we yield to them, whatever they are, it draws us away from the Lord, not closer to the Lord. I'm going to go through four categories of temptation tonight. 1 Peter 5, 8-11 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Roaring lion. Okay? And it goes on to say, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, first category one. I call it the roaring lion category. Okay? Examples, and I've got several examples here, right? I'm just going to go through them fairly quickly. But these are the examples of Satan tempting us as a roaring lion. There's no subtlety here, okay? Roaring lion. One, gambling. Now, interestingly enough, I kind of did a, a little bit of a search through the scriptures. I couldn't find anything. No, maybe there is something. I just couldn't find it on gambling. Maybe I just preface it here for a moment. When I'm talking about gambling... I'm not really talking about your fantasy football league. I'm not really talking about your office hockey playoff pool or your basketball pool. Okay, it's not really what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about your gambling money on a consistent basis and losing it. First Peter 4 and 10 talks about us being good stewards. There's lots in the scriptures about us being good stewards. God gives us something and he charges us with the responsibility to take care of it. Our money falls into that category. We're to take care of it. Our gifts and ministry fall into that category. We receive them, and we're to be good stewards of them. We're to use them, and grow them, and develop them. Not let them just sit over here, dormant. When Candace and I dedicated Hudson and Natalia when they were just babies, when we dedicated them, We gave them to the Lord. We gave them to the Lord. In a way, they are no longer ours. God, in turn, charges us, Candace and I, with the responsibility of raising them and loving them, correcting them, helping them grow and develop, nurturing We are charged with the responsibility to raise them in a way that is pleasing in God's sight. Stewards. We are to be good stewards. We are to be good stewards of our money. And gambling does not fall into that category. You know, I, 
I don't watch a lot of hockey. I do watch a little bit of playoff hockey. And I watch, well, was it, while Toronto and Edmonton were in the playoffs, I was watching a little bit of hockey. That didn't last very long because they both got eliminated fairly quickly. And I, so I hadn't watched hockey for quite a while. And I, I could not believe the ads for gambling. Like, I, I, I was shocked. And, and high profile athletes promoting it. Like, they know better than that. And anyway, so get, number one is gambling, right? I'm not going to go on a tangent on gambling. I'm just saying, hey, gambling is, is number one. Number two, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call it sexual-related temptation. And that covers a broad spectrum, right? A couple of examples in the scriptures. We see the account of David and Bathsheba. David succumbs or yields to the temptation that he essentially brings on himself. We see Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph defeats the temptation. He resists it. Now, how does he resist it? The scripture says he flees from it. He sees it, and he flees from it. He gets himself out of the situation, removes himself from the situation. That's one of the strategies that, that we can use as far as temptation goes. Joseph overcomes the temptation. Alcohol and drugs fall in this category. I'll say lying, cheating, stealing falls into this category. I put desiring riches or wealth into this category too. And we see the example of the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. We see Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I believe Joseph was sold by his brother for 20 pieces of silver or something as well. Is that right? Yeah. We see Ananias and his wife, uh, Sapphira, kept back part of the proceeds from the land sale in Acts chapter 5. So you can read that for yourself to see how it works out for them. So desiring riches or wealth, I put into this category. The final one I have in, in this roaring lion category, and I, I have it written here, as as some entertainment. So let me be a little bit more specific with that. Some TV, some movies, some video games, those things that consume our time, in, and, and, and we, we know we shouldn't be doing it. We know we should be watching this movie, but we know we shouldn't be watching it. We're watching this TV show, and we know we shouldn't be watching it. We're playing this video game, and we know we shouldn't be playing this video game. Okay? So some entertainment, some forms of entertainment. I call these the roaring lion because there's no confusion on our part here, on these items. It is obvious to us. If we yield to these temptations, it is not pleasing unto the Lord. And we know it. And we know it. We may or may not be able to resist the temptation, okay? But we know it isn't right. I don't know, I don't know what people are going through here in the, in the congregation. I know what I'm going through, right? I have a little bit of sense of what Candace is going through. But beyond that, I, I don't really know much. But, and I'm begging you here, I'm begging you, 
as I go through these categories, if there are areas that you are struggling with, we can't change the past. But today, we can make the right choice. So don't let this camp slip by without yielding these things to the Lord and starting to, and starting the process of getting victory over them. Okay, that was category one. Second Corinthians 11, 13 to 15. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And my next three categories are more in, are more in this area of, of, um, subtle areas of temptation, I'll say. It's still Satan tempting us, but they're more subtle, sly, subtle. Yeah, it's not so bad. Relax. It's not going to hurt you. Many of these items we will not be able to identify, but for the Holy Spirit operating in our, in our lives and the spirit of discernment operating in the church. Category two, the temptation to do more of what we already enjoy and are engaged in. In this category, I will say probably most of these items are fine in moderation, but not in excess. They draw us away from the Lord in excess. Philippians 4, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Proverbs 25, 28. This is from the ESV version. Is what the English Standard Version maybe? A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So here's some examples of this category. Okay, Probably fine in moderation, not fine in excess. What do we have in here? Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and there's probably 10 other forms of social media that I don't even, I'm not even aware of. Fine, probably fine, depending on what you're doing in moderation. And then you get into Facebook and bang, four hours are gone. And then most of the evening. Sports, fine, moderation. I'll make a caveat here, like you might be a professional athlete. So that, that, that's different, okay? If that's, if that's your living, is that what you're doing, right? Watching sports, playing sports, fine in moderation. Reading, I say reading for enjoyment here. TV, movies, some movies may be fine. There's less and less of them that are fine, it seems to me. There's less and less TV that's fine, it seems to me. Work, or, or in brackets, becoming a workaholic would fall into this category. Work is good, right? You have to make a living. But we can go overboard with it. I'll give you an example of this from my own life here. So, and probably there's not a soul here tonight that, 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 that would be tempted by this in any way. Okay? 
I like financial stuff, investing stuff, economic, macroeconomic stuff. Have I lost you already on that? Um, and, and honest to God, you could go onto YouTube and watch videos on this 24-7. Just trust me. I know you're not looking for it, but trust me. So I could very, and I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. And I could easily, easily spend hour after hour after hour watching these. Because I really li- I like it. Right? I'm not saying I'm normal here. <laughs> right? I'm not saying I'm normal. But I and like it. So there's a temptation for me. I like this. I don't think it's bad. I don't, I don't think it's bad. Just, what about Candace? What does she think? <laughs> She's like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> In moderation, I don't think it's bad. But it's easy for me to go from, okay, that's moderation to that's too much. It's drawing me away from the Lord. Because I'm spending too much time with it. That's what Satan wants, right? He wants us consumed in activities. Keeping us away from the Lord. That's what he wants. And he's an expert at trying to get us to do it. Because these items, we enjoy them. These are items we enjoy, right? No, you won't enjoy what I just said, but you have your own things that you enjoy. There's a constant temptation for us to engage in these activities. Constant. Because we enjoy them. We like them. So we have to guard against this. All of us have to guard against this. And not one of us is immune to this category. And maybe you've all experienced it in your own life. We should be active in monitoring these activities rather than passive. What I mean when I say active is, okay, I'm going to watch this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to watch this video, and that's it. Rather than, I'm going to watch this video, and then before I know it, it flips to the next video on economic stuff. And then the next one. And then the next one. So I'm going to limit my time on them because I know it's an area that I could spend too much time on. We get out of bed. This one kind of, kind of sneaks up on us. Or it sneaks up on me anyways. And before we know it, we're, we're, it's taking too much of our time, drawing us away from the Lord. It is not our intent to get out of balance in our walk with the Lord in this category, yet it happens. Or sometimes happens. Category three. I've described it this way. The temptation to think the way the world thinks. Or put differently, to think in a way that is not consistent with the scriptures. This one for sure I know that that we all struggle with this. And I'll give some examples of it to prove it to you. Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a tough one for us because if, if we really went deep, I mean went deep and analyzed our patterns of thought or our mindset, I believe we would all find some thinking that is contrary to the Word of God. 
And as he reveals those things to us, we purge them. We purge them. We would find some influence of the world in our thinking. Do you agree with that? Let me give you some examples now of this. Okay, I'm 60 years old. I'm, I'm not 60, okay? I'm 60 years old. I got some shoulder pain. Ah, oh, that's normal. I'm 60. My friend has got shoulder pain. He's 55. I'm 65 years old. My back is sore. Well, that's to be expected. You're 65. The pattern of thought is, or the temptation is to accept the thinking of the world that as we get older, we should expect more infirmities and more difficulties. I would like somebody to show me the scripture verse that says that. Because I couldn't find it. I do see in Deuteronomy 34 and 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. And his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. I'll give you a funny example. And this is, my my dad's maybe told you this already, but I like it, so I'm going to tell it again. I'm 52 now. I'm turned 53 at the end of the year. But when I was 51, we were here at New Year's, and my dad says, oh, you turned 51, how do you feel? I said, well, you know what? My dad and I are golfing fans, right? So I said, you know what, I'm I'm playing the back nine now. Not many of you got that, eh? Let's say, geez. I'm playing the back nine. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad has a chuckle, and he says, well, where do, what hole do you think I'm on? And I said, uh, what hole are you on? You're, you're in the clubhouse after the round having, having lunch. <laughs> so it, that, that's humorous, right? But it's not the correct thinking. It's not the correct thinking that we should be having, right? As far as aging goes. Another example, offense. We may get offended easily. Someone says something, we hear something, we don't like it, we get annoyed and resentful. And we think that's okay. We have the right to be offended. That's generally how the world thinks. What do the scriptures say about that? This is from the King James Version, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That pattern of thought, that, that, that thinking, that, that reaction of being offended is not scriptural. I'm not saying it doesn't happen to us. It does. I think God is just looking for us to get offended, draw back to me. And he's looking for that time period to shorten. It's okay. So I carry this offense for a year. Finally, I get serious with God and I... I I forgive or whatever I have to do to draw back to the Lord. Okay, then then it's a month later. Then it's a week later. Then it's a day later. Then it's ten minutes later. God is looking for progress in us in these things. But we have to acknowledge that it's not scriptural. It's not the right thinking. Tithing. Tithing is no big deal. (laughs) No, tithing is a big deal. This is, we can think into ourselves, hey, tithing is no big deal. What does God need the money for? What does God need the money for? He's got lots of money. He's got all the money he wants. 
Malachi 3 and 10 says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. That's the scripture. So if we're saying to ourselves, tithing is no big deal, that's contrary to the scriptures. It's contrary. I'm going to give you another personal example here. I'm going to have to speed this up. I, I, here, here's the, 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 the category here, and again, this might be just me, right? The category here is leave behind the few and focus on the many. And that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but it does to me, and I'll explain that. I, I, I went, went through school, high school. I went to business school, graduated, um, was an accountant, still an accountant, although I don't do any accounting anymore. But And then I got my, my CPA after that. And so I've been in business, in accounting, working with business owners, the business world my whole career for 30 years. 30 years immersed in that environment. And some of the common thinking in that environment is this. We will invest resources, time, and money up to a certain point. While there is still a good return on that investment, and then we stop because it is good enough. We're not going to get to 100%. Customer satisfaction. No business is trying to get to 100% customer satisfaction. Too much time and money and effort. We're happy with 70% or, or 65 or 75 or 80%, whatever the business has as their target. Employee engagement. We just did an employee engagement survey at our firm. Guess, guess what percentage of our firm is actively engaged? Where's Jet? Is Jet here? How much? 40? No, it's 54. And he works at our firm. So he must be in the 46, I guess. 54%. And that's good. That's a good stat. In, in that, in that world. So we're not, we're not super happy with 54%, but, but we're not overly disappointed with it either. With 60%, we'd be ecstatic. What about the other 40? What about the other 40? The high school graduation rate in Canada is somewhere between 80% and 90%, depending on the province you're in. It's not 100%. It's not 100%. Why? Too much time and money and effort. The thinking, and and and, and I, this is personal for me now. Okay, the think. So I'm saying this to you. It's okay to leave behind the few and focus on the many, because it takes too much effort to focus on the few. There's a certain logic to this, I suppose, because you, you know, we say the term you can't please everyone. The Holy Spirit can please everyone. So, so I, the Lord, you know, not to get too personal here, but the Lord kind of drew this to my attention some time ago. What do I read in the scriptures? Leave the 99 and get the one. That thinking that I've, I've had for 30 years ingrained in me, part of who I am, is not 
scriptural. It's not scriptural. I would go to courses and conferences and, and, and all, and this, lots of times this would be the topic or something like it. Reinforcing it year after year after year. And I have to root that out because it does not line up with the scriptures. It's the way the world thinks. You know, there were times when Jesus spoke to multitudes. And there are times when he spoke to the one. The one. We heard, we heard sometime this week about the woman at the well. The one. So this has been a pattern of thinking for me. For years. But it is not scriptural. And you know, you know what's interesting as, as you, I have this thought, this thinking pattern or this thought process relating to that. And when God showed it to me, it was such a relief and a freedom in it that I, that I could let that go because he has something better to replace it with in my life. You know, every single person that comes to Christ with an honest heart, with a repentant heart, has a role in the body of Christ. Not one will be lost. Not one. 100%. 100%. There's many other examples I, I, could, I could talk to here, speak about. But I want to leave you with just two thoughts on this category. One is foot washing. One of the main purposes of a foot washing service is to cleanse ourselves from the influence or thinking of the world. Amen? Amen. To cleanse ourselves from that. To wash away the influence that we get from our day-to-day experience living in the world. Brother Hinsliff, in his writing on foot washing, refers to it this way. By walking in this age, it seems to be difficult to resist its contamination. Try as we may to keep from being squeezed into its mold, it sometimes leaves its mark on us. And a foot washing service cleanses that. There's a podcast of Brother Luff's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And in the podcast, this image is presented. Man's will and body are like a citadel which the enemy craves to capture. The open field upon which the battle is waged for seizure of the citadel is our mind. In that open field, we sometimes give up ground to the enemy and we take it back. It does not stay with the enemy. We take it back. If we give it up, we take it back. Praise the Lord. The fourth category is is a subset of of the last one, but I, I, I carved it out separately because I 
I, um, I wanted to highlight it. And it is this. Feeling that we are not worthy or not good enough for God. Anybody felt that way? Feeling that we are not worthy or good enough for God. The temptation is believing it. Satan will bring up all of these things. Why we're not worthy. The sin we did over here. God can't forgive that sin. Jesus can't. He didn't die for that sin. Satan will bring up, bring up the mistakes we've made in the past. He will make, he will bring up the mistakes we're currently making to discourage us and plant deception in our minds. Once we give our heart to the Lord, the thinking that we are not good enough for God is simply not true. It is false. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 34, 17 to 19, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them from out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves as such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. In Luke 18, 9 to 14, you will read the account of the two men who went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. And in verse 13, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's all God asks of us. We sin, we make a mistake. We repent, we ask forgiveness, and we immediately draw back close to him. I'll turn you to the account of David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I'm not going to read it. And then Psalm 51. And if you read that, you will get a sense of why God calls David a man after his own heart. Committed terrible sin. Terrible sin. Yet he drew back to the Lord in repentant spirit. Like we all have to do at times. If the enemy continues to remind us of why we are not worthy because of all the mistakes we have made in the past, We rise up against that because it is not true. In Christ we are worthy. He has paid the debt for those things. Christ already won the victory over those things. When those thoughts happen to us, when they come against us, our thinking should be, God will never leave me or forsake me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, if you want to try to get at me with these false accusations, you have to get through Christ first because I have put on the armor of God. There's one verse here that if you don't take anything else away from this tonight, I want it to be this. Okay? It's Ephesians 1 and 4. In this category, I don't feel worthy. 
I'm not good enough for God. Okay? Ephesians 1 and 4. According, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I, my mind, I can't grasp this. God chose you in him before the foundation of the world. You say you're not worthy? He chose you before the world began. How could you not be worthy in Christ? How? How could you not be good enough for God? He chose you before the foundation of the world in Him. It's not possible. It's not possible that you are not worthy. It's not possible that you are not good enough for Him. I'm just going to leave you with a few scriptures. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Luke 4 and 8. This is when Jesus is being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and only him shalt thou serve. Those words, Get thee behind me, Satan, should be front of mind for us, on the tip of our tongue. If they worked for Christ, Guaranteed, they'll work for us. James 4 and 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 2 Peter 2.9, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Once again, I'll read 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. I started out talking about Michael Jordan. you still got to come through Chicago. I want to make it clear, you're not quoting Michael Jordan when you're faced with temptation, right? It's just an example, a parallel. You're quoting scripture. You're memorizing some of these scriptures. We, sorry. We are memorizing some of these scriptures. So when we are faced with it, we have an action plan to defeat it. I suggested to you the spiritual parallel was something like, Satan, if you want to tempt me, if you want to discourage me, make me feel bad about myself, 
You have to get through Christ first. You don't get to attack me directly. You come through Christ because he is Lord of my life and you deal with him first. Somehow I'd like us to think in these terms that we are bolder, that we are recognizing the authority that we have in Christ. We can overcome these things. There isn't a temptation that you can, that you face that you cannot overcome in Christ. I read those scriptures, you all heard them. Christ is right there with us. He has defeated every temptation that we could ever face has been defeated. Brothers and sisters, we need more of Christ in our lives. We need somehow to grasp the authority that we have available to us to defeat these things that come against us. Amen? And it is here. It is here for us if we will reach out and take it. Tonight, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know. If you have those strongholds in your life, if you have those things that are holding you down and keeping you from drawing closer unto the Lord, there'll be an opportunity to lay them before the Lord, to yield them before our Lord God Almighty and say, help me. Help me. I want to draw closer unto you. And I want to be rid of this stronghold. I want victory over it. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.